Hello and welcome back to Offbeat Grad. It feels like I've been gone five ever and that's cool because I really needed a break, but now I'm back to talk to you again by myself, still alone in my room. Um, I actually really like these solo podcasts because I like to talk to myself and this gives me a very constructive way to do it that I feel like isn't frowned upon by society, so here we are. Um, so yeah, I went to Seattle, I went to Squim, Washington, like funny story, I did not know it was called Squim, I even googled it, I googled it and I still got it wrong. It, it, I was walking around this place calling it Sequim like some kind of loser. I didn't even know. I said this to people who were from Squim. They didn't correct me, which is really awkward now. And then I was Ubering out, and then she was like, where did you guys visit? And I was like, mm, Sequim. And she was like, oh, you mean Squim? And then I felt judged. So that's a fun fact about my trip across the country, and I had a great time. I also had to work while I was there, but that's just my life. So yeah, today I'm coming with you. Coming with you? I'm not going with you anywhere. Today I'm coming to you to bring you some SEO info that rhymed unintentionally, so gold star, um, about just how to use SEO for your blog, since I literally do SEO all day, and it's sort of my jam. So let's just jump into it. Okay, what is SEO? It stands for search engine optimization. I feel like it's thrown around like some kind of crazy buzzword on the internet a lot. People are like, I'm an SEO expert. Do this one SEO tip and your website will be first on Google and like all this crazy stuff, but it's really not like that. Um, SEO is basically just a few special things you can do for your blog that'll make you perform better in the search engine results, like Google, usually, because no one's using Bing or Yahoo, and if you are, get it together. Um, that's basically what it is. Um, it's not anything spectacularly fancy. Um, there's sort of like a front end and a back end of SEO. There's certainly a lot of back end things you can do for your website that will help your SEO, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the basics, but also like things you can actually do. Like you don't need any special skills to do this. I, I trust you. You can do it. Um, wow, I really prepared for this. I actually did. I wrote notes and everything, which is the first time I have ever made notes for this podcast. So I'm really moving up. So what is SEO? I just told you that. Um, when we're talking about SEO, we need to make a distinction between white hat SEO and black hat SEO. Basically, you can think of white hat as the good stuff. Black hat is the bad stuff, but fun fact, I need to stop using this word fun fact. Um, the term, I learned this yesterday and I'm really pumped about it, so I'm out here to educate you all. The term white hat and black hat came from like old western movies because they used to have white hats on the good guys and black hats on the bad guys. So now you know. The more you know. Anyway, white hat SEO is the good stuff that Google is cool with. Um, black hat is stuff that will get you penalized and can get your website taken down. So don't do that. You're probably not going to do that. You would have to go really out of your way to do that usually. Um, black hat things include stealing content from other websites, which will get you reported and taken down from your host. Um, don't steal content, obviously. 
Um, it also includes things like manipulating search engines to show the wrong information on the search. En- like if you've ever been on Google and you click on a website that seems to be one thing and then it's obviously not that thing, that's manipulative. That's black hat. Say no to that. Cool. No one's really doing that. Like you, you probably are not doing that. <laughs> if you don't know what it is, you're not doing it. Um, let's see. And white hat SEO are things that Google was like, this is fine. But we need to make a note that there is no, like it's a spectrum between white hat and black hat. Like you'll hear a lot of things that are black hat and people will freak out like this is the worst thing in the world. But let's be clear, like anytime you're doing anything for SEO, you're trying to manipulate search engines. It's all about manipulating the search engines. Like that's not necessarily a bad thing, but the point is that we're both out here doing that no matter what team you're on. So, like, no one should get a gold star. Anyway, that's white hat. That's black hat. Good job. Now let's talk about on-page optimization, which are the things that you'll mostly be able to do on your own. And these are things I did not know about when I started my blog. I didn't really know about them until maybe a year and a half. No, more than that, but not, like, significantly more than that. And they, I'm sorry, I'm going to yawn and I'm just, Gonna keep it in because I have a busy life. I like didn't start my day today until 2 p.m., which is not good. I like ran errands in the morning. I did not get up and do work like I have the other two days, which means I will now be doing work until like midnight. So here we are. Can't take time out to yawn. So on page optimization. First, your blog posts. You should be blogging with keywords. What are keywords? They are the things you type into Google. There's two types of keywords. There's short tail and long tail. So short tail is if I went in Google and I typed winter vacation. That is short tail. It's super general. Um, People don't really type like that anymore. Maybe they did five years ago. Wait, more than that. Like when in the early days of Google when there was like five results, that's an exaggeration, but like when there weren't a gazillion results, people would just type things like that. But now our search engines are really sophisticated, so it's all about long tail. So long tail, using that same example, would be like winter vacation destinations in central Florida. That's pretty specific. Like, you're going to get a much more targeted result. Like, if you're like me, I'm Googling some really specific things. Like, if I have a weird mark on my elbow, I'll be like, weird circle-shaped mark with slight red tint on my elbow. Because I don't actually have that, by the way. (laughs) But anyway, um, so you should use keywords. And there's a few different ways you should use keywords. There's a good way and a bad way. The bad way is called keyword stuffing, and you'll get penalized by the search engine gods. And what keyword stuffing is, is when you put your keyword in so often that it literally makes no sense. So if your keyword was college blogging, then I would just write, I'm a good college blogger and I like to write about college blogging and college blogging is something you can do too. College blogging is, see, we're not going to sit around and read that. Like, that's annoying and it's not written for a human, so... You always want to be writing your pages and your posts with humans in mind. In mind, haha. In mind. Like, you're writing for other people. You're not writing for a search engine. You're not writing for a robot. So, like, don't be a robot. But you can use keywords in your URL, which is what you'll type into the search bar. You can change it on WordPress. And you can just Google how to do that if you don't know. Um, You can use it there. You should use it there. 
You can also use it in your post title, which you should. One good trick for this is if your keyword is college blogging, then or like college blogging tips, whatever, then you would do just like an easy way out if you're not creative like myself. You would do college blogging tips, colon, five ways to improve your blog, whatever. Um, since your keyword is college blogging tips, you would want to put that first. It makes it a little bit stronger. Pro tip. Um, you also want to use your keywords within your post, but don't be spammy about it. Like, just use them in the first paragraph and use one in a subheading. So, like an H1 or an H2 tag. Um, maybe use it once or twice when it feels natural, but don't, like, stress yourself out about it. Like, I need to get it in, like, ten times. Like, don't do that. If it sounds natural, put it. If it doesn't, don't. Also, try to use some synonyms because sometimes people will search for slightly different things and you would like to also rank for those things, too, of course. So, consider that. Um, so how do you know what keywords to use? Well, one big tip is what would you be searching for? Like, what would you look for? Because that's what you should use. Because <laughs> you want to write for people, not, not search engines. So think about what you would personally search for if you had that question or if you had that problem. What would you type in? Good key. But you can also do some research. Um, you can do it really simply by literally just opening Google, start typing, the first words of your keywords, see what comes up. It'll give you some suggestions, and those are the things that are being searched for most often, and that might be a good hint. But don't just think because a keyword is really popular that you need to use it. Like, that's already really saturated. Some areas are already so dominated by, like, these big companies that you're probably not going to get to the first page unless your post goes majorly viral, which we can't really count on, although we wish we could. So it sometimes pays to use words that are relevant but not, like, overly popular, you know? Like, just find some topics that aren't been there, done that. Um, my favorite free tools, there are a lot of paid tools, like the Moz tools and stuff like that, that are great for keyword tracking, which basically means, like, monitoring how a keyword is performing over time. Um... But there are two free ones that I wanted to recommend to you. One is Google Trends, which you can just Google it. Ha <laughs> um, It basically, you can type in a keyword, and it will tell you how many times it's been searched for over, like, any length of time. So you can see if it's rising or falling. If people, like, really have that question, if it's, like, a big news thing, usually you get a big rise as that thing is, like, gaining popularity or whatever. So that's a good way to just see if people are even searching for what you're planning to put out there. Another one, I'm yawning again, I'm so sorry. Another one is Answer the Public. If you go to this website, it has this really weird video, this old man, like, staring at the screen, which I'm here for it. And so it's called Answer the Public. Basically, you can search any topic. You can just search a word. You can search, like, dog, but don't. Make it specific. Search, like, a question or a topic or something a little more narrow or you'll get so overwhelmed. It will give you literally everything, like the most common things people are searching for, and then even like the really least common things, which are nitpicky, but fun. So that's a great way to like, if you have a topic idea, but you don't know what individual way to spin it, um, that's a great way to figure that out, and you can develop a keyword from there. So that's keywords. You should also have one keyword for your entire blog. Like this is the keyword people would search if they were looking for your blog. So for me, before it was college blogging, it was college lifestyle, which didn't used to be as big of a thing, but now it is. Um, today I use, God, I don't even know. Isn't that horrible? But I would use something like um, starting your own blog or 
freelance writing, a combination of that. Clearly, this is something I should be working on. Um, something like that. You'll want to use that. WordPress will walk you through it sometimes. Um, you'll also just want to use that around your website when it comes up naturally. Next, blog posts themselves. Um, Google likes people who try. They want to reward good content by putting it in front of more people. So you want to write good content. You want to write substantial content. Um, There's a lot of confusion about how much you need to write, like how many words are too many words and how many words are too little words. But I can tell you right now, 300 words is too little words. You should at least have 300 words to every blog post, at least, but try to get more. Um, I mean, generally, longer blog posts are a sign of better content, like you more accurately provide the answer someone is looking for. Um, but try not to overdo it. Like, sometimes I read blog posts, like, I always see this in, like, the, in recipes online on food blogs where it's, like, 12 paragraphs of, like, someone's personal memories with, like, soup, and then you get to, like, the actual recipe at the end, and I was like, well, this is all I wanted, so why did I have to wade through, like, your childhood trauma? So, don't be like that. Like, get to the point, know when to when you've, like, said what you need to say and get out of there. My sweet spot is anywhere between 800 words, 1,500 words. I have some that are longer. I have some that are shorter. Um, Just, I try to hit that range. I think you should really push yourself to write further, to dive deeper into topics when it's appropriate, and that you will be rewarded with SEO goodness. Next, you want to include meta tags. These are what will show up on search engines when they are displayed. So like when you see results on Google has a title and a description, you want that to include your keyword in the title and the description. And you also just want it to be really enticing. Like, oof, I'm knocking around my notes. You don't want it to just be like my blog post. You want it to really say what you're about to give. Like what information can they find? What answers can they find? These are good things that will actually entice people to click. It's better to always change these. Don't just leave them. If you leave them, it'll just include like the first two or three sentences from your post, which probably aren't the most exciting. So rev it up a little bit. That's a really easy way to boost your clickability. Um, Next, you also want to include images in your post. No one likes looking at a wall of text. Nobody. don't care who you are. So always include some images. You can use stock images if you have nothing else. I would prefer you didn't. I use them all the time, so don't follow my advice. But (laughs) I like to use my own graphics, so I'll make my own graphics. You can use Canva for graphics. They have an excellent software with all these great templates, so you don't even need to know about design. Um, But I'll usually make some where I include some bullet points or some kind of thing that makes sense. Um, With your images, you need to change the image file name change the file name, not the title, the file name. You can do this in WordPress. You can do it on your computer. If you open the folder, you right click, you click rename. This is how you get um, your keyword in there. And that's how Google knows what your picture is of. Like it can't see your photo. It needs to read the photo through the file name. Why do I keep yawning? Also change the alt text. This is what will show up on Pinterest if the image is saved. It's also what will show up if you hover over the image. Um, You can easily change this in WordPress. I usually change it to the post title. Um, So if it's pinned on Pinterest, it'll come with it. And it won't just be like random photo number five, you know? Cool. Next, links. You need to include links to other websites. And you need to include links to your own website. 
First, you need outbound links, which means to other high quality sources. Basically, I just include ones to relevant source materials or something that makes sense for the blog. Like, I'm not just linking random websites. Um, don't link spammy websites. Do your research. Make sure it's relevant. If you're talking about a product, that's a great thing to link to. That just shows Google that you're not just spewing out some nonsense. Like, you're talking about these other high quality websites, so you probably know what you're talking about too. Also, include inbound links. This is great for reducing your bounce time since people are more likely to click through your next page. And it also shows Google, like, that's how when search engines review your content, it's called crawling. And this is how they get around. So, yep. Um, so, include an inbound link. So, talk about one of your pages, one of your posts, anything that relates to what you're already talking about. It's just a great way also to show your users that you have other great stuff on your website. So always do that and try to update older posts with new inbound links. Like if you just did a new post updating an old post, go back to that old post and include a link. Fun fact. Oh my God, that's not my catchphrase. Anyway, we shall move on now. That was on-page optimization. There are other types of optimization that we're not going to get into right now. The main one is usually with like Google Search Console how a lot of people think they need to ping their website, which is when you let the search engine know you've updated a page or you've posted something new. You can do that. Like, there's nothing wrong with it, obviously. It can help. I'm just, I don't think it's that big of a priority because search engines are smart. Like, they know how to find your website. You're, you're, you do not exist in a vacuum. Like, they've already found you. So I wouldn't stress about that. Next, we're going to talk about what I do for a living. It's called link building. And it basically just means building a campaign to get your link on other websites. So we talked about how we are going to link other high-quality websites on our website. But you also want good websites to link you. But you don't want to be spammy about it because Google will hate on you. Um, but some, like, smart Google link building is a great way to really boost your SEO really fast. It's probably the strongest way. Like, having links back to your website is the number one thing you can do. And it's also not as hard as you think. Like, obviously, you don't want to approach people just begging them to put your link on their website. I know this because people do it to me all the time. I always get these weird emails and people are like, Hi, can you switch this link out with my link? And I'm like, No. Um, but the best way to do this is guest posting. So, guest post. Um, sometimes I guest post on other blogs. I've been featured on Huffington Post, other things like that. Those are all great ways to get your link out there. Usually you can put your link in the bio. That's basically it. Um, just find other relevant blogs. The key is it needs to be relevant. It can't just be random Joe Schmo's, like, gardening blog. It needs to be relevant in the same niche as you. Um, and you need to write something great. As long as you do that, you're going to start getting some links back. It's pretty easy to find guest posting websites. You can even just search your niche and guest posting into Google. You'll probably find a big list. Um, some you probably already know, but they might be harder to find. You can look for some on the same quality as you. If you ask on Twitter, you can find tons of places to guest post on. Also, if you want to guest post on my blog, Samanthability, you can do that. I have a whole section on it. So you can read up on that if you want. I'll put a link in the description of this podcast. And I love to have guest posters because it's less work for me. So let's talk about some extras. Um, you need a mobile-friendly website. That's that. Uh, everyone views websites today on their phone. So grab your phone. I'm sure it's next to you or you're on it now because how else are you listening to this? And check your website. Is it 
easy to read. Can you get from page to page? Like, what are the issues here? Most themes are already mobile responsive today, but check anyway. Sometimes things go wrong. I hate my website on mobile. Like, I fight with it, but here we are. So, anyway. Um, you need to have a mobile responsive website, and that's that. Um, it needs to be focused on the user, both on desktop and mobile. It needs to just have, like, the most relevant stuff first. No one wants to click around doing extra stuff. No one cares. It needs to load quickly. You can Google this, like, a page responsiveness test, and it'll tell you, like, how quickly features load. Sometimes if you have images that are too big or some kind of flashy graphic going on, that can really slow down your website. You don't want it to be slow. Google will punish you. Just make sure it's fast. You can get a plugin on WordPress that will help um, lower your resolution of your images, which can speed up your website. You don't need to upload any images on your website that are like 2,000 pixels. If you're doing this, you need to make them smaller. There's no reason for that. Like most websites are not that size. So get them smaller. Just check into that stuff. Make sure it's not taking too long to load. And then finally, an SSL certificate. This basically is when you go on Chrome and you go to a website and the upper left hand corner of the browser you'll see like a either it's a lock. It's either locked or unlocked. If it's unlocked that means they don't have an SSL certificate. If it's locked it means they do and it'll say secure. As of recently Google started punishing websites that did not have an SSL certificate. It costs money. I think I paid, well, it doesn't always cost money, but it depends on your host and like how much work you want to do. You can install it yourself for free if you're willing to put in that time, but I'm not. So I paid, I think, $40 for one. It's for a year. Um, I think you should do it. Basically, it means your website isn't accessible by hackers or anything like that. I don't know. I'm not a cybersecurity expert, but basically it means like if anyone's entering any information on your website, like payment information or their email address, anything like that, that no one has access to that information, which could happen if the server was not secure. So obviously cybersecurity is important. If you're not accepting payments on your website, it might not be as important to you. And I understand that. But at the same time, you probably are accepting email addresses. So that's something to consider. It's just something to consider. I'm throwing it out there. Finally, Get Yoast SEO. It's a free plugin for WordPress and it's the best thing that will ever happen to you. It will walk you through how to do everything I just told you about. Literally everything. On every post it will show up and it will tell you, it'll give you a red, yellow, or green signal whether or not you're perfect or if you could do some work. It will tell you what to do. You won't need to do anything. It's amazing. So just get it. Finally, I'm going to answer some questions. I asked y'all on Instagram some of your SEO questions, most of which I already answered, so I won't go back into them again. But Sarah asked, is Yoast SEO Premium worth it? And I would say no. I have not tried it, so I am basing this completely on my false judgment. But I don't think it's really worth it. The free version is already so comprehensive. I know some of the extra features are that it'll allow you to add multiple keywords. I really don't think you need multiple keywords. At least you can still use multiple keywords. You just don't need to enter all of them into Yoast SEO. Like you, Once you get the idea, you don't really need it to walk you through those steps. I don't think you really need a premium account unless you have several websites you're operating under or you're working on a much larger scale. So that's how I feel about that. Jade asked for the best plugins for SEO. 
I already told you, it's Yoast. Um, also, I would recommend getting one to speed up your website a little bit or to lower your image resolution if that's what's slowing you down. Those are always good. You can also look into mobile responsive ones that will help you make sure your website's mobile responsive. That's up to you. And finally, Amy asked for free keyword trackers, which I already told you, so I don't need to go into that again. But I will repeat them anyway, just because. Um, I think Google Trends is a great one. Also, Answer the Public. And they're not really trackers. I mean, they are, but you can't really personalize them to your website. But I think that's fine, as long as you only have, like, one blog and you have enough common sense to sort of, like, figure it out on your own. Um, the bigger trackers are really cool, but you don't really need them unless you're balancing a lot of clients for SEO purposes. Like a big marketing agency might have one, but I don't think you as an individual blogger really need to put money down on something like that when it's probably not going to be that worthwhile, you know? That's how I feel about that. Okay, cool. So that was my SEO podcast, and now you are all SEO experts, so congratulations Go make your website perfect and get to number one in Google. Actually, don't. Like, it's so hard to get number one in Google. Do not berate yourself if you're not number one in Google for, like, the most random stuff. There are other ways for people to find your website. As long as you're writing great content and you're really focusing on your audience and making a website that your users can use, not necessarily search engines can use, you're doing great. So, good job. A+. Everyone gets an A. Congrats. Okay, so if you have any more emails, you can email me at hello at offbeatgrad.com. I will eventually write up something similar to this blog, to this blog, to this podcast on my blog, offbeatgrad.com. But don't hold me to it because I probably won't, at least not now. So just being honest. Anyway, it was cool talking to y'all. I'll see you next week. Bye.